being able to book, like I said, experiences or private parties with little to no touch from the venue teams. And that's going to look like you're building your own events on, on a browser, on your phone. Kevin, thank you so much for coming on today, man. I'm really stoked for this conversation. I've been looking forward to this for a while. For the people who don't know about you or Reserve with Rex, tell us who you are and what you guys are up to. Likewise, Forrest, thank you for having me. My name is Kevin. I'm the founder and CEO of Rex Reservations. We're an online booking platform for entertainment centers, fun activities, and games. Mm-hmm. And we're on a mission to create more fun by connecting people to unique experiences. Really happy to be here. Yeah, I love it. It's a really great product. I know you guys are in a lot of different bowling centers. How do you make your way into this kind of a niche? Tell me a little bit about a journey. Yeah, that's a that's certainly a story. <laughs> we didn't set out to build a product in this space or anything like that. But the story starts uh, maybe 10 years ago or so. My brother and I had started a digital marketing company, making websites, uh, running marketing campaigns, things like that. One thing led to another. We started working with clients in the entertainment space. Uh, Lucky Strike Bowling became a client of ours. We did some websites mm. for them. Yeah, uh, There's a company out in, based in New York that's got a few locations across the country called Spin, which is similar concept for ping pong. And so we started racking up these clients in that space and getting familiar with the industry, building websites, campaigns, things like that. And we kept noticing one thing was happening after we delivered our projects. Every single time we built out these beautiful, cool websites, we deliver them. And then there was a big fall off on the part that went to the booking platform. So there'd be all these fancy videos, buttons, things like that. And then you click. And we would see huge drop off in conversions and the other external platforms that they were using, they just weren't cutting it. So we saw this for a couple of years and we continued to run the agency. But around 2018, 2019, we started getting more serious about building a solution for this. And so we piloted this solution in right around late 2019 with Lucky Strike. We got ready to launch in 2020. Everything was shut down. So we kept building the product for the next year or so. And then kind of towards the end of 2020, beginning of 21, we launched the product. And we've been building ever since. We've had a lot of good traction. And everything started going so well that we actually decided to shut the agency down, focus full time Mm. on Rex and the product side of the business. So that's how we got into the space. We kind of happened by happenstance. We weren't fully expecting it, but we saw this opportunity in the space. And we wanted to tackle it head on. I love that. So it's one of the, not maybe scratch your own itch, but scratch your client's itch of business. Yeah, totally. I mean, we just Mm -hmm. kept seeing it time after time, same issue. So we set out to build it and Mm -hmm. it it was cool because we had, we had large enough clients who were giving us feedback the whole time, telling us, Hey, this is what we need. This is what works. This is what doesn't. So we were able to iterate quickly and and get a product that worked really well out of the gate. Yeah. Let's stay on that because there's a lot of different players in the space, but I'm curious, like what are some of the things that really make a reservation software like critical or like easy to use or like what are the big things to look for or that or maybe that you guys had to work on and get right before you could really roll out this solution? Yeah, totally. That's a great question. So that there, are, there are a ton of players in this space. And the one thing that we focused on from the beginning was always user experience. So what does it look like for the guests to go and make this booking? And We noticed time and time again, a lot of our competitors, the booking portion was an afterthought to a POS system 
or some other system and it was kind of piecemeal together and say, hey, okay, hey, guess, figure it out. This is the widget. You got to book it here. We built ours the other way around. So we started from the guest side, what it looks like for them. And then we started building some of the other venue ops pieces. So, so that was one piece to it. And then the second piece really comes down to flexibility. So how flexible is a system? These bowling alleys, entertainment centers, they all do things a different way. And everybody mm -hmm. swears by the way they do things. Right. And there's no real one size fits all. So the key is to be flexible and be able to adapt to different types of venues, to be able to help venues experiment and try things in a different way. So flexibility is at the cornerstone of everything we do. So those two. So really coming at it from the customer checkout experience and the flexibility between different end clients. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah, I would say design. Yeah, design focused on the guest experience and then flexibility so that the venues can just try different things. They can try mm -hmm. pricing one way, pricing another way, and experimenting, trying different campaigns, seeing what works for them. How much of, you, of being from outside the industry do you think played a role into that flexibility and looking at it from the customer experience? Because some of the more established bowling-specific players I see, the experience is definitely not as streamlined or it's... There, there's a lot of different options and like it almost adds too much complexity because they know too much. Tell me a little bit about coming at it from like a beginner and saying, well, let's just start from scratch. Yeah. So, so I think it kind of worked out in our favor. My, my background has always been in product design and creating apps and, and digital products that convert well. So that's kind of where I started. I just mm -hmm. thought, Hey, what would a, what would this look like if it were redesigned and it was really easy for people to come on choose what they want to do and make a booking. So that's where we started. And yeah, coming outside of the industry, we had to learn a couple of things that were specific to the venue ops, things like that. Mm -hmm. So as we learned those things, we were able to bake them into the product, build them, build them there. But I think mm -hmm. it was fortunate for us to not have some of that experience right out of the gate and just look at this as a digital product, like a building an app like Uber or something like that, where right. it's designed forward. Yeah, totally new. Whereas you have that, what do they call it? The curse of knowledge where it's impossible to forget something once you know it. Totally, totally. Cool. So that's a little bit about how you got into it. Tell me a little bit maybe about today, what's working for some of your customers or clients or where do you see the, like the people who are crushing it? What are they doing right? Yeah, yeah. So I think, I think it comes down to what we call the experience economy. And the experience economy is having a resurgence right now. It's having a moment yeah. And what's going on is consumers are looking for unique, interesting, fun things to do. And that's what we're seeing with our existing clients and with a lot of new concepts that are opening up. So how does that translate into who, who's doing well and kind of who's kicking ass right now? It's the venues who are creating experiences out of their spaces, mm -hmm. right? So you can have... A lot of venues have the space there. They've got 20 lanes plus maybe a couple other activities and things like that. But the difference between simply renting space and creating an experience is really big. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably one of the key things I'm seeing right now in what separates some of the venues that are having a lot of success and some of the ones that are kind of stuck doing things the old way. And even though it's having its moment right now with experiences, there is some adaptation and some change that's needed for some of these kind of older centers to get with the new program with what consumers expect now. 
And what does that look like? So that might be creating moments inside of spaces that are like Instagrammable or shareable, how the marketing is told, the marketing story on what you're booking. Are you booking some, are you booking bowling for an hour or are you booking some experience that you can have with your friends or a birthday party, things like that. So the way that story is told is also getting really important in this social media age. Yeah. Because that's what people share. They're sharing the experience that they're having or they just had not renting shoes and a lane for a couple of hours. So that I think is the main thing and how you tell that story has become really important for some of the centers that are crushing it. Yeah. It's kind of like the story is like the wrapping paper almost of the product. Like you got to put a nice presentation on it and that's kind of how people convey it or show it. Yeah, totally. Totally. Because look, space is there. You have the space, you have your, your venue. Now, how do you come up with ways to sell it? right? How do you put, like you said, that wrapping paper on it with a bow and say, hey, this is the experience that you're going to be getting, right? And then showing that proof on social media because you baked in some pictureable moments, some viral moments, some ways to share that experience. So more people then go and experience that as well. So we're seeing that as, as a really big difference maker right now. Uh, and it doesn't have to be a lot. It just, there has to be some small changes to the way that you're approaching what you're selling and how you're explaining that story. What do you think makes a really good experience or scrammable kind of experience? Yeah, so I think that there's a couple ways to do it. I mean, one inside of the space is some venues are just dedicating a certain area, a certain corner that's got an extra oomph, whether it's some wallpaper, whether it's you, you see the neon signs that have become really popular. Others have focused maybe on one dish, right? One, one of those dishes that they're kind of known for that is really interesting or picture worthy. It could be a type of cake if it's for kids' birthday parties. So really focusing on what's that one thing, right? And it, it doesn't have to be a lot. It doesn't have to be a big change to your kitchen operations or anything like that. It just has to be one thing that that has a higher chance of being photographed. So that's kind of on the on the picture and physical side. On the sort of marketing side, it's more about the outcome that, you know, you're selling, whether like you know, you're selling your kid's most favorite birthday party, right? Like the party that they'll remember forever. Or if you're selling a corporate event, you might even be selling like t productivity of your team, right? Your team camaraderie, right? It's not just like come and have a corporate event. It's like Is that in the name of the product or in just the pitch? It's a little bit of both. It's a little bit of both. Okay. It can be in the name. It doesn't have to go overboard, but it can be in the pitch too. It can be in some of the graphics, right? It can be in the landing page, right? That says like teams that play together, win together, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're kind of, you're kind of selling the fact that, okay, your team is coming in and they're going to kick ass because now they're like, they're closer together and right. business productivity will be up. Right. There's small changes, but it's a framing thing especially on the marketing side that, that I think is super relevant. So, so these changes, they do compound, they make a difference over time for sure. Yeah. So you think it's like you multiply them all out and one or two of them increase, it multiplies out for the whole thing kind of. Yeah. Like yeah, absolutely. Point. And then you get a couple more experiences sold and that gets shared that translates to more, right? So you try right. and have to build something in there that gets more people to book and then more people to share. So you're suggesting then, so maybe for some of these centers is like pick, one of your products and turn that into an experience, really play up the visual appeal of it, and then make sure that some kind of big benefit is baked in, like the productivity one, for instance. It's a great way to recap it. Yeah. So mm -hmm. yeah, to kind of tie it into action items, so it's not overwhelming. It's like, yeah, choose out of all the things that you offer, 
create one package that's like your kick-ass offer. This is the mm -hmm. one that's like, come up with that cool name, come up with the graphic. This is the one that the kids love. Like, we see like gold, silver, platinum. That's pretty yeah. common, but like doesn't really say anything. So how can we spin this and kind of Gen Z it or make it a little bit more modern so that we're selling that experience? And then inside the venue, like I said earlier, is there one other thing that we can add a, a menu item or an area that then makes takes this thing up a notch? Now mm. you've got a complete package that that is an experience. Right. And now do you think there's a limit to that? Is it just like keep it one and only do one and do that the best? Or is, like, is there room for two or three or? Yeah, I totally think there's room. I just think start crawl before you walk. Yeah, right. start, get it down, see what works, see what doesn't. And then mm -hmm. you can kind of create these experiences for each target audience mm -hmm. that you have. So yeah. th that's another thing I wanted to highlight. It's like, again, we're selling the same space here, but who are you selling it to? The, the right. marketing for a kid's birthday party where you're speaking to a parent is quite different than a corporate director who's looking mm -hmm. for a team building or event or something like that. So yeah. being able to have specific links or packages or pages that speak to each of these audiences, I think is super important and kind of goes back to the flexibility that I talked about earlier with Rex. And like, we want to be able to provide venues, those options. Hey, this is your, this is the link to your corporate events package mm -hmm. this is a link to your, your birthday party packages. They take up to the same amount of yeah. lanes, but they're speaking to different people. Right. So almost, yeah, you could have one per avatar. Exactly. Like exactly. Absolutely. I like, I like that a lot. Yeah. Cause that's really, yeah. Where the, uh, the line is. Yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> when it comes to booking though, when we're getting people, what are some of the things that make it successful? Is it the way the landing page is laid out, the ease of use, or tell me a little bit about why your platform is good at this or what people should try to emulate to have success with those experiences? Yeah. It, clear expectations fewer clicks. That's really what it comes down to. So let people browse what you offer, be clear on it, and then make it easy for them to do it. can't tell you how many times I've seen websites that make guests jump through so many hoops yeah. just to get in touch with someone and say, hey, we want to come spend money inside of your space, but it's so difficult for us to do it. Right. So make it easy. Make it easy for people to pay, to browse and pay. One of the key things that we saw really early on in, in the industry was we saw two separate flows for making a bowling reservation or having a party yeah. experience. We just talked 100%. about, hey, mm -hmm. click here to do this, click here to do that. And it's been separated. So that's one of the things that we really focused on early on with Rex was, hey, one page, one place, all the experiences, all the activities, and let guests browse, choose, pick, and pay. All from one spot. All from one spot, exactly. Mm -hmm. and it, make, it makes it easier for the marketing team to have a link that they're directing everybody to instead of saying, hey, if this, then go here. If that, then go there. It's like, mm -hmm. hey, plan your visit. This is the link. Okay. So this is different from the homepage. This would be like an events page and you kind of go off from there? Yeah. So tip, what we typically recommend to venues and clients that work with us is have your website, have your homepage, and then have buttons throughout that link into that the Rex portal with specific packages already pre-selected or mm -hmm. list of packages, things like, but mm -hmm. again, you're sending them to the same core directory, if you will, and you're just making it easy for them to see everything that's available. Okay. And so, I mean, that's some of the things that are working well for your customers. What do you think is their biggest like, challenge in getting this to work? Like what holds them back from really crushing it with either your platform or just getting some of these experiences live? Yeah. I think the biggest thing ho holding venues back is just sticking to the way things have been done. And this goes back to what I was saying earlier with adapting and making slight changes to your offering. This is slight changes to your operations, right? Mm -hmm. So 
you're going to have to make some sacrifices to the way that things have been done, some changes. I think there's some fear from the training side and getting all the staff used to things. So yeah. that's definitely a hurdle. But I'll say to the people who are on the fence about that, it's certainly worth it. We have mm -hmm. seen significant increases in, in venues that are willing to shake things up a little, change the way that they're doing it and modernize a bit. So it is a little bit of a challenge for sure. But if you're willing to kind of get through that hurdle, it's certainly worth it on the other side. Yeah, I would definitely say, at least from what I've talked to people about getting some kind of online reservation capacity, the operation team and just getting them to use it and to accept it seems to be probably the top hurdle. Do you have any thoughts or tips on getting past that for customers? Yeah, let our team handle it for you. Let our mm -hmm. team handle as much of it as possible. I think that whether a venue is working with us or somebody else, work with a team that's able to really support you through mm -hmm. that process because it is hard. If you've been doing something for 20 years, it's going to be challenging to yeah. wake up one day and then now things are done a little bit differently. So make sure that mm -hmm. you have your support in place. You can reach out to the team if you need anything and the team is willing and able to help you through that. Typically, it takes three weeks, four weeks till you know, you're comfortable and it's smooth sailing from there typically. Mm -hmm. Just make sure you have the support in that couple weeks to a month period. So it's just a matter of having good training available, either like recorded training or being able to reach out for the team for specific training. Totally. Okay. Very cool. So then that's a little bit about what's working today. I'd love to hear from you, maybe where you see things going a little bit with reservations or maybe even the industry, in, whether it's experiences or other types of products. Where do you see things going? Maybe the next 12, 18 months I'd like to go through. Yeah, totally. So I think in the, to better understand how I see things in the next couple of years, We'll look back a little at what happened in the last couple of years. And it was the idea of reservations that became sort of commonplace coming out of 2020, mm -hmm. people needing some reservation, whether it was for restaurants, and that became pretty standard. So as we get used to that and try and meet the consumer demand where that is, you know, where consumers expect to have reservations because they yeah. when they're walking in and all of that, I think the next piece on that is going to be being able to book, like I said, experiences or private parties with little to no touch from the venue teams. And that's going to look like you're building your own events on, on a browser, on your phone. You're inviting who's going to come. You're sending post-invitation cards digitally to, to the people who are coming. Hmm. And really being able to end, design a cool experience just from your phone. So we're already seeing some of that now, but I can see that picking up over the next couple of years for sure, especially as this newer generation that's completely tech and cell phone native are the ones who are becoming the primary people who are making these bookings. So as that happens, I think it's just going to become more and more low touch and people are going to be able to expect to do everything and have all the information at their fingertips through their phone. What does the menu look like? What is, what's available exactly at this time? What does the room look like? I want to see, I want to see where I'm going to be doing this. And so I think that's going to be really common. And we touched on this a little bit before, but I think the idea of just really unique and cool experiences is going to become popular as well, where people aren't just looking for one activity or one thing but it's a combination of yeah. different things that hit your senses because if you're playing a fun game cool you're going to want some good food right or you want another game or you want good cocktails if it's a place that sells cocktails 
so this kind of combination of things, I think, is going to become more popular over the next couple of years as well. Yeah, no, I tend to agree. The one thing you brought up that I think is, uh, I've always questioned, or at least I wonder how you approach it, is similar to this trade-off of the simple booking, like you book a lane or two lanes, five, six people, whatever, versus the more in, involved party you're talking about designing on your phone. It seems like there's somewhat of a trade-off, like the simple, more basic package you do, it's easy to book. It's very straight line, just book here, done. Whereas creating that starts to add some complexity, especially from the software perspective. How do you guys work through that to where it's it feels just as easy on the more complicated one than it does on the, the just book a lane kind of? Yeah, totally. So, so this kind of goes back to my background as, as a product designer. So we try and work tirelessly to make sure it's as smooth as possible. From mm -hmm. the venue side, what I would say is have both options, right? Have them side by side. One's a one click, you click and you book. The other's mm -hmm. build your own party, right? Have them on top of each other and see what works, right? Yeah. And so yeah, this goes back to what we talked about earlier, which was like experimentation. Uh, we don't really know. Each market is different. Each center has different clientele that they're working with. So there isn't a one size fits all. So try both. Try something that's, hey, straightforward reservations, two clicks to check out, and then try one that's a build your party and mm -hmm. customize and then see what happens. I mean, typically the ones that are going to take a little bit longer and ha might have lower conversions, they're going to be higher value, right? They might, you might be getting two or three X the revenue on one of these packages. So it might be worth it to mm -hmm. definitely try that out and see how it takes. Yeah. So, and, I mean, I asked that because there's, like we talked about, there's a lot of different options out there for these reservation softwares. And it seems like some tend to optimize more for the upsells and the custom, the ability to customize and make all these things, but then they, they're a lot more difficult to use for the end user. Whereas some of them optimize the other way where it's like click here and click there and it's done, but that's all it can do. It can't do no, anything yeah, else. So no choice. It's all, yeah. It's almost like I always compared to like golf clubs. It's like one's your driver, one's your putter, but how do you create something that can do both is the hard part, right? Yeah. I like to think that we're kind of on our way there. For us, like I said, we started really focused on the design side and then we're really careful about the different options that we introduce and we want to make sure that it's seamless, that it works. Mm -hmm. And we, we always want to check when we introduce new things, how are the conversions doing? Are they still doing well? Is this still the best in class guest experience for booking? If it doesn't meet that criteria, we're just simply not going to launch it. So it might take a little bit more time for some of these things to come out, but we want to be really careful and thoughtful about right. all these features that we, we introduce to make sure, hey, no matter what we do, it's guest focused. That's always top of mind. Yeah. Well, and yes, yeah, so I know we're coming close to the, uh, the top of the hour, but before we go, tell me a little bit about maybe some of the conversions or the uh, business metrics that you guys have seen as far as like conversion rates or revenue added. I know one of the things that I've learned recently about online reservations is this almost mental thing where you book it online, you pay for it, you come in and it's like the transaction is completely gone from before. Your clean slate come in and they spend end up spending twice as much just because it's two different separate transactions. Tell me about some of the things that you've seen for people who are implementing your software. Yeah, we're, yeah, that's exactly right. We're seeing 20% to 50% increases in depending on if, if venues had reservations online or not, mm. but we're seeing huge increases. And it's exactly for that reason. We always encourage our venues to collect 100% of the deposit for the booking upfront if it's a, if it's a general traditional reservation. Yeah. And then that's paid. And then they're going to come in. There's virtually, it's almost impossible that they don't spend more money when they come into the venue, whether they buy some more food, whether they buy a drink, whether they extend gameplay, 
right? All of these things add up and essentially it's revenue that wasn't there before that is being added. So we're seeing on the low end, 20% up to upper bounds of 50% increases. And the 50% comes when some of those experiences I talked about have been added to the mix. Some of those upsells, because let's say you're a venue that has no bookings online. It's call us to call us to book. Okay. Well, step one, add traditional reservations to the website. You Mm -hmm. might see a 20% boost just on that because now you're collecting revenue. You're optimizing your space. You can sell your downtime for a little bit cheaper. Right. Right. And so now you've got that. You run that for a couple of months and then you add packages and experiences. And so instead of renting out a lane for 50 bucks, you're now selling a $200 package. Well, what is that going to do to revenue? Right. Right. So you might sell, you might sell 20% more of those packages. So that, that really has a big effect on the bottom line. We see huge increases and that's not just for small venues. We see them for for big venues as well. They see large upticks in, in revenue. And you're saying revenue is as far as like average ticket or revenue overall or what revenue you... Yeah. So revenue overall, what we see as far as average ticket, that will generally tick up with the packages and the experiences. It's not going to go up too much from not having reservations to having reservations. That'll generally stay the same. But once you put in some food and beverage upsells and some packages, things like that, you'll see an immediate uptick there. Okay. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Cool. So anything else you see coming down the pipeline or you guys are working on, I'm curious, as far as getting reservations for these bowling centers? Yeah, we're doing a couple of things. So we're doing yet another design update. We always want to stay fresh. We always want to be best in class design. Another thing that we really focus on are integrations. We want to play nicely with a lot of the other tools and systems in the ecosystem. We see that as really important. So we partner with a lot of other technology companies, making sure that if somebody books on Rex, it talks to the other systems and things like that. So that's something we're really investing in. And then, yeah, the, I talked about some of those abilities to be able to, to book events, things like that's coming down the pipe as well. So okay. we've, got a, we've always got a really busy roadmap. Every quarter we're pushing updates, as, as many as we can get in there. And we, we don't really anticipate slowing down for the next couple of years. Right on. Yeah, no, well, Kevin, this has been awesome. I always enjoy talking to you. You have a great mindset for marketing and in software and business in general. So it's great to get your perspective on some of this stuff. I really appreciate it for us. I enjoyed the conversation as well. So for people who are interested in learning more about Reserve with Rex, where should they go to learn more? Yeah, just come check us out, reservewithrex.com, reservewithrex.com. We've got all the info there. Same on all the social media, Instagram as well. Right on. Cool. Well, thanks again for coming on, Kevin. This has been a pleasure and I look forward to doing it again sometime soon. Likewise, Forrest. Thanks for having me. Thanks, man.